Well, hey, it's time to get into the Word of God this morning. So glad that you're here this morning. Uh, those of you that are tuning in and checking on, uh, online in our online church, so glad that you're with us. You realize that GVC is a lot bigger than just here at the campus that we come in uh, fellowship in person, but we have a whole online audience, and that's awesome. So glad that they're here with us as well. But uh, as we get started, I want to just give a little bit of a disclaimer, if I may. Uh, as I start to share some things, and it will take me a minute to get there, uh, it may come across or sound as though I'm being political. And so I just want to start it right off the bat that the things that I share with you is not with the, the intent to be political in any manner, and I'll remind you of that when I start to talk about it. But once again, I just want to put that in your thinking because once again, there's some things that we'll address, but it's pertaining to the things that we're going to be talking about today. So, amen. Well, how many of you uh, realize that yesterday was a very significant day in the history of the U.S.? It's the 20th anniversary of the attack on 9-11. And obviously, again, you've been around, you probably watched the news all day yesterday, and it was... Uh, just on every news channel, just recognizing and remembering those that had, had lost their life during that uh, terrorist attack. And just as I was tuning in and watching some of the broadcast, uh, there was one particular broadcast that had Andy Card on, and he was the Secretary of Defense during that time 20 years ago. And so they were beginning to talk to him and ask him about uh, that particular day, and if you don't know who Andy Card was, if you remember the story or the scenes where President Bush was reading uh, a book to elementary students, there was a gentleman that came in and whispered in his ear and told him, we are at war. That was Andy Card. And so one of the things that he began to share as he was talking about that day and as he had to deliver that news, this is something that he said that stuck out so significantly to me. And he said, on that day, he said, America was introduced to fear. Now, we've experienced a lot of things in our nation, gone through a lot of things. But he himself, going through that moment, seeing the chaos and th seeing the things that were taking place in that day, he said that on that day, the United States was introduced to fear. And if you can remember, if you were alive during that time, in fact, how many of you remember that day? You know, they always say when there's something significant that happens, you know, you remember where you were. And I remember where I was. I was working for General Motors at the time. I was working on an assembly line. I remember the job that I was on, the, the, the actual moment where I was. There was a radio right there. And I heard it came over the broadcast. And at first, you know, again, the, the guys, they put on the, the early morning talk show radios, you know, and this kind of just the, the banter that they have going on. And so when I heard that, I, I initially thought, they're just kidding around. They're just making fun. They're just, you know, just having some fun this morning. And then as you continue to listen, you're like, wow, this is the real deal. And so once again, it has a way of impacting or sticking with you in that time or from that time that you lived and experienced it. And so... Uh, if you know anything about that day, one of the things that we uh, have learned from that, or I should say that was a, a, a part of that or a byproduct of that specific day, the statistics tell us that the church 
began to fill up right after that event. That there was a mad rush of people that began to run to the church to find answers. In fact, they say that there was such a great surge in Bible sales during that time because people were looking for answers. But once again, when they went to the local church to find answers, what they found is that leaders were unable to answer, how do we slay this giant of fear? And so that's the title of our series, Slaying the Giant. And the giant that we're going to be looking at is the giant of fear. Because in this season, in this culture, in this time, the giant of fear has not left us over these last several months. In fact, it continually raises its head. It comes in a different wave. It comes in a different face. It comes in a different uh, a scenario. And the giant of fear seems to be taking root and taking uh, uh, room and board in many people's lives and especially within the church. And so once again, because spiritual leaders were unable to answer the question, how do we combat, how do we slay this giant of fear, they left the church. And the church began to decline once again because it was in a declining pattern. Almost 20 years to that time, beginning in March 2020, the giant of fear revisited the United States, and not only the United States, but it revisited the entire world. Something significantly different took place during this time. When the giant of fear showed up on 9-11, people ran to the church. In 2020, people ran from the church. Why? Because the giant of fear has become so real. So how is it that we combat this giant of fear in this hour in which we live? When you think about it, fear is not an emotion. Fear is a spiritual entity. I want you to understand that. Fear is not an emotion. You can be fearful, you can be scared, you can be anxious, but the root of it is not in an emotion, it is a spiritual entity. Now let me define that with Scripture. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, once again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Notice what it says here concerning us as believers. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and soundness of mind. So when God sent Jesus, Jesus said this, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to leave you a comforter, a helper. It's going to be the Holy Spirit and he's going to guide you into all truth. He says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love and soundness of mind. Look at what it says over here in John chapter 4, verse 24. It says, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Notice it says that he's given us a spirit of power in love, 
and God is a spirit. But notice what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says, God is love. So not only is God a spirit, and if you don't know it, a spirit is not some mystical vapor. A spirit is a tangible thing. Just, just so you know, God's real. You can touch him. You can feel him. He's a spirit, but he is the spirit of love. And then it goes on to say this, just again so that you understand, concerning Satan, the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Well, what is fear in itself? Fear is a lie. Because fear is false evidence appearing real. Did you catch that? Fear, F-E-A-R. Fear is false evidence appearing real. So once again, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And again, I share that with you just to solidify the point that when it comes to fear... Fear is not an emotion, it is an entity or a spiritual entity that is at war against you. And just so that you know, the whole world is a byproduct of you concerning fear. Now you say, what do you mean? Do you realize that the devil doesn't care about unsaved people or people that are not Christians? He doesn't really care whether or not they're in fear or whether they're in terror because they're his kids. The only people that the devil really can, cannot stand and that he's warring against is the people of God, the body of Christ, the local church. And so therefore, because he's looking to captivate you and overtake you with the false evidence that appears real, it has a global impact because he's after you. Are you getting that? Because this whole world was made for you, God's kids. And everything that the enemy is coming to do and stealing, killing, and destroying is because of you. And as I said, the whole world feels the repercussions of that. So once again, if Satan is the father of lies, he is the father of fear. Because fear is false evidence appearing real. So let's see that from a biblical example in operation. If you're familiar with it, in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22, the Bible says that Jesus is with his disciples and he's wanting to depart from where they were and go to another city, but they have to get in a boat to get there. And so Jesus says to his disciples, he says, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Right? Now, if you know the story, the Bible says that as they began to journey and were on the water, the Bible says that Jesus went underneath in the boat and took a nap. Just went to sleep and started resting. And then the Bible says in the midst of their tra travel, a great storm arose, and it says that his disciples became greatly afraid Oh, 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 awoke in Jesus and said to him, Jesus, do you not care? We're going to die. Do something. 
And then Jesus awakes. He goes to the front of the boat. He stands and he speaks to the storm. He says, peace, be still. And the disciples are probably thinking, whew, glad Jesus did something, man. We are going to die. And he's pro they're probably thinking, you know, Jesus is going to talk to us and kind of comfort us and, 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 and get our emotions settled. But Jesus turns around and he says, where was your faith? And you think, how hard could Jesus be? I mean, it was a storm, and they were afraid, and Jesus turns and he says, where's your faith? But I want to ask you the question, what did Jesus say before they ever started? Come on, give me, somebody help me. Let us go to the other side. Jesus, the Word made manifest in the flesh, the Son of God, said, let us go to the other side. So if He said it, that settles it. They're going to the other side. So just because a storm arose, does it change what Jesus said? Not at all. Just because a storm arose, did it mean that Jesus did not care? So in other words, there are storms that can happen in our lives? Sure. Does it mean that God doesn't care? No. Does it mean that God's word has changed? Absolutely not. It's an opportunity for us to exercise our faith. And in that moment, Jesus, once again, he asked the question... Where is your faith? So what was he asking? Why have you allowed false evidence that appears real to cause you to be in fear and doubt what I've said to you? Why did you move from one moment saying, yeah, let's go to the other side? But once the boat started rocking, once the storm showed up, why did you get out of faith and get into fear? Why did you let the giant get in your boat? You ever let the giant in your boat before? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> Might be living in your closet right now. <laughs> and once again, the storm... Even though it arose, it did not change the outcome of what Jesus had said right from the very beginning. Once again, his response was, where is your faith? So what is he really start trying to say? He's saying that you should have had a different reaction than you're having right now. There's a lot of stuff that has happened in these last several months within the church. My question for you is, what has God said to us when the storm arises in our lives? And I'm telling you today, God's sitting there scratching his head and he's saying, why are you not acting differently than you're acting right now? Does it change the outcome of what I said? Has my word changed? Have I changed? Have I fallen off the throne? Did this catch me off guard? Why are you acting this way? You should be acting differently 
than your acting. In the moment of a storms, or of the storm, the question is, what becomes more real? When a storm arises in our lives, what becomes more real? Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Even though the storm came, he already established the finished fact. When it comes to us in our lives, when the storms arise, and we all face them, being a Christian does not mean that we're exempt from them. In fact, the enemy might just try to send a storm your way just to knock you off your position of faith. Right? But when the storm comes, the question is going to be, what is more real to us? What God said or the storm that we're looking at? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, notice what it says here. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how does faith come? By hearing. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing. So if you've got the attitude, well, I've heard that before. Don't think you've got faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing. You might think you're good when everything is calm. Oh, I've heard that. I know that. But when the storm comes, that's when you're going to be tempted or tested. What's more real? What you heard or what you see? And I'm no different than you. We've got to respond in the right manner. And is it possible to hear and not have faith? Sure. It's possible to hear and not have faith because how many, can, how many of us can attest that there's times where the wife says some, something to us, guys? <laughs> and she says, hey, what did I say to you? And we've been shaking our head the whole time. <laughs> and she says, what did I say? Um, yes. <laughs> so you can hear something but not hear it. You can come to church and hear, but not hear. Somebody listening here this morning? The Bible says, take heed how you hear and take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear. When it comes to fear... The giant of fear's strategy is to bombard you with things that you will see and hear. So if you find that you're in a position of fear, or where the things in which you see and hear are starting to move you into a position of fear, then that only indicates that you now, st- you now need to hear the Word of God more to the point that faith arises above the giant of fear. Amen? The knee-jerk reaction is always to respond from the emotions, not faith. And especially if we're not developed and growing in our faith, 
then we will always have a knee-jerk reaction to what we face, and it will always be from a position of fear. We'll always be moved by our emotions rather than our faith. Right? So let me just, this is just rubber meeting the road. And you might say, that's a really hard statement, Pastor, what you're going to make. But if I don't tell you, then you'll continue to let the giant of faith, or the, excuse me, the giant of fear dominate you. If all you do is hear the message at church once, every few weeks, come back again and hear it once in the next four weeks, but you never pick up your Bible, you will never conquer fear. And I want you to hear that. If you're not reading your Bible, and you might say, well, man, I'm just new to this whole Christian faith thing, then good news is, is you're getting it right off from the get-go. Learn to read your Bible. I don't like to read, then listen to it. Well, I don't like to listen, I don't like to read. Then just discipline yourself to become a habit of reading your Bible. I, I, in fact, I, I've said this before many times. I think I'm going to have to take it up with God because I never used to like to read. I still don't really like to read. You know, I read the Bible, I enjoy that. But I'm not just a reader for entertainment's sake. And I'm going to ask God, why did you make reading the requirement? Because I was a horrible reader. I mean, you didn't, you didn't gift me with the ability to read good and to comprehend. I mean, I was that kid that took the test, comprehension, in the ditch, man, just failed it every time. It's like, God, you didn't give me that gift or that ability or that intellect, and I struggled at reading, but that's the requirement for my faith to grow. What's up with that? Anybody relate? <laughs> yeah, I hate to read. Us guys, how many of you ever read the instruction manual? No. <laughs> we can make it work, right? <laughs> pictures. It's good pictures. A, B. <laughs> Screw one, three. Yes, okay, got it. All right, yeah. So once again, if we're not growing, or I should say, if we're not availing ourselves to hear the Word of God, reading the Word of God, you will never, ever, never, ever, ever, never have faith when the giant of fear shows up. It's impossible. Because it says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And as I hear the Word of God, the Bible says, take heed not only what you hear, but how you hear. So that means i got to be very diligent in what I listen to. And as I said, fear is going to work extremely hard to have a voice. So you're going to have to be very diligent to turn it off, to tune it out. Amen? Now, when I was just a little boy, I had to be under the age of nine because we moved to Clio when I, in 1979 when I was nine years old. So that dates me. You know how old I am now. But prior to that, my aunt would watch me. My mom and dad, they had jobs. My aunt would, would babysit, and then I'd get off to go to school. But one particular day, and, and again, this is how I, I know, is because this is when I was introduced to it. Isn't it funny how there are certain things that have a, they, they've got an impression in your mind and in your thinking and your remembrance. And so under the age of nine, we were at the grocery store there in Mount Morris, 
And there happened to be this woman standing at the end of the aisle with one of those little electric square frying pans, and she was frying up these things called Eckridge Smoke Breakfast Sausages. And she was frying these out, putting them on the end of toothpicks, putting them on the paper plate there, and you came by and you sampled them. And that was the first introduction to the Eckridge smoked sausages. And listen, we bought what she was selling. <laughs> My aunt bought those little smoked Eckridge sausages. We went home and we ate them up. And still to this day, in our household, we like the smoked Eckridge sausage. In fact, we've graduated to the maple flavor. But why? That is nearly 45 years later, and we are still indulging on Eckridge smoked sausages. Why? Because there was a season and a time that we bought what somebody was selling, and somehow it enticed us to the point to taste and see and sample it until we took it home with us. Amen? And so, as I said, fear is endeavoring to always tell you, paint a picture to get you in a position of fear. And there might be some facts involved in the framing of the story, but the facts does not mean that it's truth. False evidence that appears real can be surrounded by all kinds of factual facts. You hearing me? Amen. And so, just with that being said, to buy what is being sold means that I have to adhere to or embrace what is being said. Germany became a communist country because the powers that be controlled the communication. And because the powers controlled the communication and that which was said and allowed certain facts to be uh, uh, released, the facts caused them to buy into the idea and Germany became a communist country. How many of you would agree that communism is wonderful for the citizens of that nation? We wouldn't. But the whole reason is because the communication was controlled. Fear controls the communication. Faith elevates. Fear manipulates. Faith or the communication of fear will cause us to be elevated above the giant of fear... Fear will cause us to be manipulated and surrender to the spirit of fear. All right, I said to you right from the very beginning that I was going to share some things that are not meant to be political. And I mean that sincerely. But I want you to be able to pay attention to the narrative of the season that we're living because so oftentimes within the body of Christ, as I said, this culture and climate that we are living in that the giant of fear is raging 
the people of church are running from the safest place to be because they are bowing to the giant of fear. Now, there is the virus that we are contending with. I thought I would never continue to be talking about a virus so many months later. I thought we would just move on, but obviously it's still part of our present day lifestyles. There is the vaccination that they are wanting to make available. I'm not pro or anti-vaccination. You can do anything in fear or you can do anything in faith. Okay, that being said, Mr. Biden came on the news just a couple days ago and he said to us as a nation... If you work for the federal government, if you do not get the vaccination, you will no longer work for us. He said, I am encouraging companies to make it a mandated thing to get a vaccination. And if they don't adhere to that, then let them go, in essence. Right? Now, once again, this is not political. But my point is... The strategy behind it is manipulative and driven by fear. Hello? Now, once again, there's been so many people that said, that when I've said that concerning the climate that we're dealing with right now has to do with the local church. And everybody says, how has it got to do with the church? Listen, I want to ask you the question. In your Bible... It must read somewhere in there that in the last days there's coming a time that unless you receive something, you cannot have income, nor can you buy, nor sell. So what does that say? There's something that is required of you to take, and the motivation behind it is the spirit of fear. Now, you might say, are you saying that the, the vaccination is the mark of the beast? No. No, not saying that at all. But if you don't see that there is a climate and a culture that the giant of fear is trying to manipulate us to get us to a place of the last of the last of the last days, then you're blinder than a bat. And I love you when I say that. Woohoo! But what's the motivation? It is being driven by fear. Again, I'm not making a political statement. I'm saying the, the, the intent behind it to motivate, to manipulate people is the spirit of fear. If you don't, you don't work. Oh, dear God, I, I got to provide for my family. Now, again, you can do anything in fear. You can do anything in faith. But God has required us to stand up. Thank you, thank you. All right, now once again, I'm going to say this, and this is not making a political statement. But you know that our country is primarily divided by two political parties, right? Those that would consider themselves Democratic and those that would consider themselves Republican. Now, again, it is not a political thing. It's just a known standing that the Republican side has a tendency to be more 
biblically based and more conservative in their beliefs. Am I saying anything out of order? Am I saying anything controversial? No. On the contrary, the, the democratic side tends to be more liberal and wants to remove the faith side from their agenda. Am I saying anything out of order? It's just a known fact. So the statistics show us this. Those that would consider themselves to have Republican views, only 55% of them have gotten the vaccination. Those that would consider themselves of a Democratic viewpoint, 88% of them have received the vaccination. Now, once again, I am not making political statements, but what I am saying that there is a spirit of fear that you can see, one that will take a stand, not of religion, but one of faith in the God in whom I serve, does not bow the knee to fear as those that do not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And are you hearing my heart? Because again, that is not a political statement. It's simply the facts that are laid out in front of us. And so if you are people of God, and let me just say this again, just so that you hear me. If you choose to get the vaccination, bless you. Do it in faith. So I'm not saying one way or another. But you are, as the people of God, to make a stand in faith in this hour. Because the giant of fear is trying to overtake you, overtake your family, overtake your nation, overtake your church. And it is not until we, the people of God, stand up and learn how to slay the giant that we will walk in the freedoms and the liberties, not just as a nation, but as the people of God. Amen. Now, as I close, these are the last things that I'll share with you today because we're laying a foundation. How many of you understand that Jesus, even though he was the son of God, he was also the son of man, he was 100% man, so he had emotions just like you, right? If you recall, the Bible says that he wept when he saw that people were lost having no shepherd. He had emotions and feelings. And so you can only imagine that Jesus had emotions pertaining him going to the cross. In fact, the Bible says that when he was in the garden, he's, he wept great drops of blood. Not for the fear of what he was going to do, but because he knew he was going to be separated from his father. So keep that in mind, and I want to read this to you from Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 7. And this is from a brand new translation that I found. And it is so powerful. It says this in verse 7. It says, speaking of Jesus, when he faced the horror of his imminent death, he presented his plea to God in an outburst of agony, emotion, and with tears. He prayed with urgent intent to be delivered, to be delivered from death, knowing God's power was saving him and that he enjoyed God's full attention. He had a firm grip on the prophetic word. Now let me pause there. Because the commentary says that when Jesus cried out, he did not cry out in fear, but he cried out 
Because he knew that the word would come to pass and that his father would raise him from the dead. He was facing a giant. But he knew the word and he knew that God was faithful. Just like he said, we're going to the other side. His father said, you're coming out. Verse 8 says this. Acquainted with sonship. Now listen, grab hold of this. Oh, come on, this lit me up when I read this. Acquainted with sonship. He was in the habit of hearing. Everybody say hearing. He was in the habit of hearing from above. And what he heard distanced him from the effects of what he had to suffer. What he heard distanced himself from what he had to go through. Come on, we're going through some things right now. But are you hearing God say to you, I've got your back. You're going to the other side. You're coming out. I've given you the victory. The giant might be screaming, but you are more than able. Amen. He says, because he was acquainted with sonships. And let me, let, let this last verse. But his perfect hearing he forever freed mankind to hear what he heard. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. So, if you're overcome and overwhelmed by fear, you're hearing the wrong thing. And it's time to switch the channel. Because if you're a child of God, you have sonship with him. And you have the ability to hear what Jesus heard and walk in victory. Come on, let's stand up. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that because we've received Christ into our life, because we've got the assured word that says that if God be for us, who can be against us? God, I thank you that as for us, as for me and my house, as for Genesee Valley Church, we will serve the Lord. And God, we will conquer the giant of fear, for we know that it's only false evidence appearing real. And God, we will walk by faith and not by sight. And we have the victory in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.